Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. This week was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre, Tulsa Race Massacre, an American pogrom. It was kind of a technically a pogrom, as far as I understand it, pogrom means a government-incited massacre, and apparently from all available evidence, the police were on the side of the white folks massacring and burning Greenwood, which was the black community established by former enslaved people who established their own rather thriving business and thriving community with businesses and banks and hotels and restaurants and movie theaters. And then over a period of two days, it was burnt to the ground and over 100 people were killed, black people killed, on a made-up story. And, of course, there haven't been any reparations. It is kind of America in a nutshell. You do the crime, you don't do the time. We did the crime, we didn't do the time. All right, maybe it is time. H.R. 40, reparations bill. It's been a reparations bill in California. A commission to study reparations has been appointed in California. There are places where they're starting to figure out how to do reparations. We're moving through the summer and towards Rosh Hashanah. It might be time to think about reparations more deeply. And also, interestingly enough, it was all about land in, uh, in Greenwood. It was all about the fact that because of Jim Crow, the black community was not allowed to buy land on the white side of the tracks. Um, and so they set up their own thriving community. The black community was not allowed to shop at any of the stores on the white side or eat in the restaurants on the white side, but the white folks were allowed to come over and eat on the black side. So the money stayed in the black community and they were thriving. There you go. White racism is, as recent Arthur put it, poison. American poison. White people will choose against their own interests if they're afraid that making a different choice will also help black folks over and over and over again. There you go. Lots to do chuba for. And land. Land and the origins of land and who owns land and who owned land. What are the stories we tell about land is everything we've been talking about. And we're going to continue talking about it, though. We're going to talk about it in a different way, in a different place. We are going to, as I said at the end of last week, we, we'll go back to get a running start. So we're, on the, we're in the middle of 65B in Bava Batra, according to the pagination and page layout that was first established and first printed and distributed by the widow and brothers Ram in Vilna, lo these 150 years ago or so. 65B, we are at the Tzno Rabbanan. Tzno Rabbanan, our rabbis taught. In other words, we are going to cite a, it could be, Tzno Rabbanan could either introduce any sort of text, mainly a Breita or a Mishnah, Tananic text. Tzinor shechikiko ulvsof kivao posel et hamikvah. If a and we learned that we did this at the end of the last week, so we'll do it quickly. The a pipe in which which was carved out and then placed by the mikvah, by the the bath, uh, the ritual bath, 
invalidates the mikvah because it was carved out. We said that mayim shuvin, to, to refresh our memories, mayim shuvin, drawn water, as opposed to water that falls from rainwater, is invalid for purifying in a mikvah. Kiva'o uluv sob chikiko, eino posel mikvah. However, if you took a bunch of stones and put them next to the mikvah, and then you carved out a pipe for the water to rush into the mikvah, does not make the mikvah invalid. So now the Gemara asks, Mani, who, so who's the one who says this? Right? Who is the author of this halachic decision? Or according to which, whose shita is this halachic decision? Lo Rebbe Lezer, lo Rebbe not. It's neither Rebbe Lezer nor Rebbe right? Why? This is the Stam trying to clarify stuff. Hey, Rebbe Lezer, which Rebbe Lezer is it not? Elema Rebbe Lezer to buy it. If you want to say that it goes according to Rebbe Lezer of buy it, in other words, uh, the Rebbe Lezer that we said before, in which Rebbe Lezer says that anything that is attached to the land is like the land, so therefore it is sold. Dilma Haino time of Rebbe Lezer. Maybe there Rebbe Lezer's reasoning was Savar Mocher Ba'ayin Yafem Mocher. Because he held that actually when you sell, you sell generously, so therefore you sell everything. And that's what he meant by that which is attached to land is like the land. For Rabbanan Savri Mocher Ba'ayin Ramach Mocher. And the sages who disagree say that when you sell, you sell. Not generously, but but miserly. In other words, you sell narrowly, and you keep stuff to yourself. So that can So maybe it's not that. So that's not the one that we want to juxtapose with. So maybe actually, it's Rebelezer of this Mishnah of the beehive. So kaver dvarim Rebelezer Omer harehi kekarka bekotvin So. In relation to the beehive, Rebelezer says that it is like the ground, and you can write a prusbol over it. And you cannot, and it does not receive or become impure when it is in its place. And one who scrapes out the honey of for it on Shabbat is obligated for a chatat sacrifice. So the prusbol thing, prusbol. I think we said this last week, but a prusbol is a document by which a lender can collect a debt after the seventh year, the Shemitah year. Normally at the seventh year, debts are wiped out. Um, but if you write this prusbol document, which is an odd sort of document where you are sort of making the loan a loan of the courts. Therefore, it's kind of a corporate loan rather than a personal loan. And that gets around the restrictions of collecting loans during the Shemitah year, during the seventh year. Um, and in order to write a prusbol, uh, we know from Mishnah in Shvi'it and also in the Sugya and Gitin that you need a piece of land. and even has to be just a little piece of land. So if you have a beehive... You can write a prisbal based on that beehive as being your land, meaning that it is part of the land, according to Rebbe because it's Bechubar Lakarka, it is connected to the land. And all these other things, like Rodemi Manu B'Shabbat, is because it's like tolesh. It's like pulling something out of the ground if it is considered connected to the land, according to Rebbe Lezer. Bechachamim Amrim, however, sages say, it's not like land, and all the exactly the opposite of 
Rabbi Eliezer says it's not like land, so therefore you can't write a prusbol based on that on on the the beehive. It does become impure, right? Because something that is connected to this part of land cannot become impure, and one is allowed to uh, scrape out the honey on Shabbat. Or if one scrapes out the honey on Shabbat, one is not accountable for a sacrifice. Hatam. So what about that? Is that perhaps the Rebelezer, who is the Rebelezer of uh, a, if you you carve the pipe and then put it next to the mikvah, you, it's invalid. But if you put it next to the mikvah and then carve it, it's okay. Hatam kidama Rebelezer timeline. No, there, meaning the beehive, is like the way that Rebelezer, it's a little confusing because we have Rebelezer and Eliezer. So Rebelezer explains the reason, Dhamma Rebbe Lazar, because Rebbe Lazar says, my time at Rebbe Lazar, what, what is the reason of Rabbi Eliezer? Because it says in Shmuel Bet, in 2 Samuel, that he, Yonatan, Shaul's son, we'll get back to that in a minute, dipped it in Ya'arot uh, Dvash, um, in, in kind of a honeycomb. Ma'yar toleish mimena b'shabbat chayav chatat. Av dvash, or mimena b'shabbat chayav chatat. So here, using Ya'ar in its literal meaning as forest, one who pulls out of the forest is considered accountable on Shabbat for a chatat sacrifice. So too, with honey, one who scrapes honey on Shabbat is accountable for a chatat sacrifice. So that this is why Rebelezer would distinguish between a honeycomb and the, the uh, pipe with the mikvah. And uh, with a honeycomb, uh, one would say that it is like karka, but with the mikvah, perhaps not. So just an aside here, this verse from Shmuel Aleph is an odd verse. This is from when Saul was chasing David, and he was so, in the heat of the day, he was fighting the Philistines, saying... Nobody is allowed to eat anything all day long until we beat our enemies. And Jonathan, his son, didn't hear. And so it says, Jonathan didn't hear when his father adjured the people. And he sent the, the tip of his stick, put it out, and he, he, he dipped it in a honeycomb. And then he brought his hand back to his mouth, and then his eyes lit up. In other words, he was so hungry, now he got a little bit eat, he was strengthened. And then it becomes problematic, because how are you going to go? Then Saul literally would have to kill his favorite son, Jonathan. Whole other thing. But the question, but it's interesting, is that it's an odd verse for halachic argument. Right? It has nothing to do with law there. But the Gemara here, the Stam here, is bringing it in as a halachic argument, which might point to the fact that the point here is the argument, rather than getting to a conclusion and distinguishing between all these various things. It's interesting, just as an aside, the Yushalmi says nothing on this Mishnah. We have three daf of, of Bavli, but the Yushalmi says nothing, or two daf of Bavli, the Yushalmi says nothing. So it's an interesting question about what's going on, what's going on here. I don't have a satisfactory answer. Just to make that clear, El Rebelezer did daf, so it can't. It's not Rebelezer, Eliezer of beehives, because beehive has a special reason why Rebbe Eliezer says that one is accountable for saying that it's just like land, and therefore 
all these things have come out of it because it is like it is in that verse in in two Samuels it is juxtaposed with something that is land a forest. Rather Eliezer didaf, but rather Eliezer who talks about a shelf in a different Mishnah. It's not for says in the Mishnah daf shel nachtumim shekivaoba kotel Eliezer mitaher v'chachamim mitamim a shelf of a baker that is set into the wall. With a shelf, it's a, it's a shelf that where people display their wares, their like their loaves of bread, or perhaps where they roll out the loaves of bread. But it's a baker's shelf. Rebelezer says that it is pure, and Chachamim say that it is impure. So Mani, so what is this like? So if the Allah is like Rebelezer, then going back to mikvah to the mikvah, this would seem to say that even if you had carved it out first and then put it in, it would be okay because here you have a daf, a shelf, and then you put it into the to the wall. And according to the rabbis who say that it is tameh, that it is impure, so then even if you had set it in first and then carved it, it would also be pasul, so neither of them fit. Lo lam So no, the Stam says no. It is it is according to Rebbe Lezer. So why does Rebbe Lezer here say that it is tahor, even though it seemed to have been made before placing it into the wall? Because it is simple wooden vessels, meaning a wooden vessel without a receptacle. It is obviously a vessel. It is a thing that is used for something else, which is kind of the definition of a vessel, but it's a pshute cleates. It doesn't, you can't like keep water in it. You can't, it doesn't hold anything. It doesn't hold liquid, right? You could put something on top of it, but it won't hold liquid. And that means it's pshute cleates. It is a simple wooden or a straightforward wooden vessel. And the which is only impure for the rabbis because the classic case of a vessel is a vessel that holds liquid, like that has a receptacle. So Michal de Shiva Doraita. So are you saying that therefore, because Rabbi Lezer says that this shelf of the bakers is not tamei, but rather is pure, and that's only because it is a simple wooden vessel, and it, that is only rabbinic. So therefore, are you saying that? that drawing water is from the Torah is a higher level of prohibition. That's why Rebbe Lezer would say there, in the case of the mikvah, that if you had carved the pipe before you set it down with the bath, it is forbidden. In other words, it makes it impure. But we established already that drawing water or drawn water in validating mikvah is not actually a de'oraita prohibition, a Torah prohibition, but rather a sage's prohibition. You know, it's important to say right now that de'oraita drabanan from the Torah, from the sages, is not this, does not distinguish between that which is specifically written in Torah and that which is specifically written in sages. It's like kind of like a misdemeanor and a felony. In other words, it's different levels of seriousness, which is somewhat connected to Torah. So there is a a dispute about whether all things that are learned from a pasuk via a one of the hermeneutic rules, whether they are all biblical prohibitions or they are rabbinic prohibitions. And that's a dispute between, for example, Maimonides and Rashi, which comes, which is in... Uh, Gittin around 
the question of called Makadesh adapted the Rabbanan Makadesh, that those who wed only wed according to the rabbis. So that's a Maklo. There's another another famous case is Hanukkah candles. Are Hanukkah candles Torah or rabbis? Now, it's obviously there if they're a Torah commandment. It's not from the Torah, literally, because Hanukkah happened way after the Torah was supposedly given. But it is, according to those, and there's a famous uh, uh, discussion in Shabbat that why is it from the Torah? Because it says, How can you say that he, that, that God sanctified us and commanded us to do it? Where did God command us? Where did God command us? And the answer is because it says, Lo tasur. Says in Deuteronomy that you shall not go, oh, you shall not veer from the path that the sages have created for you. So therefore, that which the rabbi said is Doraita is a is a Torah prohibition or a Torah commandment. So the, the just to clarify, as this aside here, when it says Doraita and Durabanan, it's not strictly what is written in Torah, what is written not written in Torah or only written in the rabbis, but rather that which the rabbis have decided is written in Torah and that which the rabbis have decided is not in Torah, which are two different things. So therefore here it's saying, so are you saying, are you making the argument, are you the Stam, you the other Stam, or you the Stam talking to himself, making the argument that drawing water makes a mikvah um, impure from the Torah? We established that it is from the sages. And there another example where we have established, it's not that, oh, look, there's this verse and it says, no, we decided that the Shiva it makes it, doesn't make it mayim chayim, makes it not live water, meaning water that is rainwater or river water, if it has been brought by a vessel. And that's only rabbinically. So therefore, your argument about pshute kliates, about simple wooden vessels, which are only rabbinic, doesn't hold because that too is rabbinic. The whole thing of drawing, drawing water is rabbinic. And if that's not enough, Rabbi Yossi said that that very Mishnah, the Machloket, the dispute in that Mishnah about the shelf put it into the put into the wall, is not talking about kliates, but rather it's not talking about a wooden vessel, but rather a metal vessel. Okay. Le'olam Rabbanani. So, actually, it is all talking about Rabbanan. Bishani Shiv She'ivad Rabbanan. And She'iva is different because it is impure rabbinically. Ihachi afilu nami. So, okay, so now that we've dialed down our Mishnah also about the, uh, you know, when it's talking about Rabbanan, um, and Rabbi Lezer says that if you have the shelf and you put it into the wall, so it is tahor. So once again, we can go back to the mikvah and say, if it had been carved and then put in, it should also be okay. So now this time answers that, no, it's different there because the pipe prior to being affixed to the mikvah bath was already a specifically named vessel, a vessel which can be said was a pipe. So therefore, it is obviously a a vessel, as opposed to a the shelf of the baker where it's just sitting on the floor. You have no idea what it is. It's only a daf shel It's only a baker's vessel once you put it into the wall. Okay. So that's why Rebelezer could say about that that it is Tameh and about 
the uh, pipe that is not necessarily tummy before. This week's episode is brought to you by MSU, the only app you really need. Have you ever been in a situation where you were in an argument and painted yourself into a corner because you didn't really know anything about the relationship between sports and economics, or whether Bratwurst really had toxic plastic bits in it, but, on the other hand, you would win that argument if you could only pull out that fact and state it with the certainty of a mediocre white guy. Well, now we have the perfect solution. It's the MSU app on your phone or off. Need a fact? The factoid? An alternative fact? Just reach for the MSU when you have to make sh- stuff up. Okay, and so back in the case of this pipe, which is carved and put into, is post sale, and that's different. And that it makes it invalid, the mikvah water, and that's different from the uh, uh, baker's shelf, and therefore it could be Ribelezer there. By Rib Yosef, Rib Yosef asked a question going back to the Mishnah about its trabal, about the mill ring, right, and the mill. So if it rains. Now you have to know a thing about the physics of purity. When water falls on a on a vegetable, so that water makes the vegetable open to becoming impure. And then if it touches something that is impure, it itself is then impure. Now if that water, if you had intended the water for something else, and then it touched the water, so it doesn't happen that the water that touches the fruit after it does the thing that you wanted it to do, like washing a vessel, that it makes it impure. So that's the distinction. So Rabbi Yosef asked the question, Meg Shamim, rainwater, Rainwater for which a person had intended that it should clean the mill ring. What is the halacha then for the seeds, for those the things that are growing from the from the seeds around the mill ring or in the field, right? So the question there is about the mill ring. Remember, the mill ring is not movable. So Rebeleza would say it's mechubar lakarka. It's attached to to the land, and therefore it's like the land. Right, and that's what the Gemara that's what the Gemara is gonna say. The Stam is gonna say now Aliba Rebelezer, according to Rebelezer Damarkarka, everything that is attached to the land is like the land. Loti Bailach. It's no question because it's attached to the land. Kiti Bailach Aliba Rabbanan. The question actually is according to the rabbis, Damri Eno Kakarka, who says that things that are not connected to the land are not like the land. So what So what would they say in this case of Megushamim? And you want it to, because the question there is if you have an intent for it to wash your mill ring, but you don't hold that a mill ring is connected to the land because it's part, it's as if it is land. So then are you saying that therefore the rainwater can make your plants impure or not, teiko. And the answer is we don't really know. Teiko literally means it stands. The question remains a question. We don't have an answer to it. There was a, an interesting book by Rabbi Louis Jacobs, the former chief rabbi of England. Interesting figure. Anyway, it's called teiko. It goes through every teiko argument in the Talmud and comes to the conclusion that there's no difference between a teku argument structurally and another type of any other type of Ibailu argument, an argument where you have a certain amount of information and adds another information like we have here by Rabbi Yosef. It's just that 
sometimes they just say, I don't know. And sometimes they decided to go further with the argument and he comes to the conclusion that he has no idea why this one yes and that one no. Okay, so here we're going to pause for a second and just recall that there is a matrix of legal values and debates in this last couple of daf, which is about the one is the ayin yafa, ayin ra'a matrix, right? Whether one, when one sells land, one sells it generously or narrowly. So in other words, if one sells it generously, it means that you've sold everything. And if you decide not to sell the well, you've only retained the well and not any path towards the well. And the other way, if it's narrow, you do retain a path to the well. And the second one is called I mean, the second matrix is the everything that is connected to the land is like the land or not. And how does those two things work against each other or which value goes? And that's kind of part of what the teku here is, according to the sages. Do we say, when you say that everything is connected to land is not like the land, in other words, not like Rebelezer, are you also saying that you sell narrowly, so therefore you retain a certain amount of the property for yourself? So therefore, it would go one way on the question of whether or not the rainwater makes the plants impure, or if you say that you're selling iron yafa, it would go the other way. And then there are all kinds of exceptions that we saw about the, the honeycomb, etc., Okay, we're going to finish up now. Well, one more one more little piece until the next Mishnah. Shalach le Reb Nechemia braid Reb Yosef, the Raba braid de Rav Huna Zute, the Narda. So, Reb Nechemia braid Reb Yosef sent a question. Shalach always means asked him a question to Raba, the son of Rav Huna the Lesser. Right, there is also a Rav Huna Raba, a Rav Huna the Greater, or the Rav Huna the Younger, perhaps. In Nehardea, and he sent it to Nehardea. Ki atyahach ititalakamach. When this woman comes before you, agba isur nechse afilmeit strobli derechayim. Collect for her a tenth of the estate, even from the mill ring of the mill. Right, so therefore, so a tenth is because uh, that's what a Yoreshet gets. An heir gets a tenth of what is left over after the brothers get, if she's not first. But it's a tenth of land. And so here, it seems that Rebbe is saying, Rebbe Yosef is saying that the Rechayim, the mill, is considered as the land. Amaravashi, ki havina beirav kahana, magbina rafilme amla debate. Ravashi says that when I was at Rav Kahana's, in Rav Kahana's Beit Midrash, Rav Kahana's Yeshiva, uh, they would collect even from the rent on the houses. So this goes to show these this last two things, that even though we had a teku before in the previous in the previous lines, that the tendency of the sigya is towards Rav Lezer and the Halacha, because here people are, they're paskening, they're deciding the Halacha, according to Rav Lezer, who says, everything that is connected to the land is considered as land, and therefore it is something that is given over to inheritance, or when you collect a debt, you collect also from the, from even from the rent on the houses, and the rent on the houses is considered the houses, which are considered connected to the land. Okay, and we're going to stop here just before the next Mishnah. So come back next week for the next Mishnah. 
I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. My thanks, as always, to my amazing producer, Ellie Unger-Sargon. Check out his podcast, Four Cubits, with Jeff Helmreich. And my thanks to my amazing Chavruta, Charlotte von Robert. And my communications director, Shachar Cohen-Hodos, who created the amazing logo. A wonderful logo. Beautiful logo that adorns the podcast. If you want to contact me for any reason whatsoever, the address is the widow and the brothers at gmail.com. On the podcast page, you can give me a rating. Give me a nice rating, would be nice. And then other people will be able to find our podcast. Remember, we're the only Daf Shui podcast that is listed in the top 60. Jewish podcasts, and we are at number 23 with a bullet. Be well, stay safe, come back next week to take a little refuge in the tents of Torah.